Wong Moy lived an incredible and incredibly important life, though you've probably never heard of her. Born in the early 19th century in southern China, Moy arrived in the United States in 1834. According to historian Nancy Davis, this makes Afang Moy the first Chinese woman to arrive in America. Not much is known about Moy's life back in China, but in the United States, she helped merchant firms peddle Chinese goods, things like games, puzzles, and lanterns, to American consumers. This took Moy across the eastern seaboard, where she went on stage and introduced Americans not just to new goods, but also to new ideas about China and Chinese people. Well, I like to think that probably their way of viewing China was from porcelain or from tea container. Some places that would show or some way that would show what a Chinese person looked like. That's Nancy Davis. She's the author of The Chinese Lady, Afong Moi in Early America. But by and large, no one knew what a Chinese person looked like. There were some men Chinese men who did come to America before Afomoy, but they were not really out in front of people. One was a merchant and others would be sailors. So no one would have been presenting this kind of face of China, such as she was doing. Since Afomoy's role in America was to sell goods, Nancy says she performed a particular vision of Chinese identity that appealed to Americans. Fortunately, we have an image of her in her salon in New York in 1834-35. So she was living with the ship captain and his wife who accompanied her back from China. The salon was fitted up to look like a very exotic Chinese salon. All around her were interesting Chinese objects of course, the other part of this is that she was exotic, too, with her bound feet and her clothing that was certainly very different from any clothing that any American had seen. And she took tea, and she had an interpreter who would help explain the objects, and Afomoy would walk on her bound feet, and this was kind of both a show and also a way to talk about China. Nancy says Afang Moi provoked a range of responses from Americans. In New Orleans, for instance, she performed for close to a thousand people at a beautiful gaslit theater. So there was a woman from New England who went to that theater and talked about the fact that when you looked out into the audience, everyone's hairstyle was a la chinoise. So all of them were looking like Afang Moi. Their hairstyle very similar, swept back up in a bun. So it's fascinating to see the way in which her style and not necessarily clothing, but the way in which she held herself was being reflected in current magazines like Godie's, where her hairstyle was commented upon and women found it appealing and followed her lead and fascinating information in various newspapers in Albany, for example, about Afomoy and how people needed to dye their hair black to be like her. So what was some of the negative response to her? 
In Boston, they were very negative. They said she looked like a Native American with salmon-colored skin and were really nasty in their commentary about her. There was a lot of concern that perhaps audiences were being fooled by her Mm. small feet. But what happened in South Carolina, which was particularly unpleasant, when the manager, her manager, decided that in order for people to recognize that this wasn't a hoax, he would have her unbind her feet and show them in public. Wow. Which was just unheard of, of course, in China. And so unbinding your feet in public was a complete disgrace to her. And it was recognized in the newspaper that this was an affront Mm. because it was noted that she was not happy. So the negative aspects of this related to her body Mm. and how her body was configured. Nancy says it's hard to know what Afang Moy thought about all of this. In addition to not speaking English, she didn't write Chinese, nor could she communicate with anyone in the United States unless it was through her interpreter or her manager, a man named Henry Hannington. This made her situation incredibly difficult when an economic recession, known as the Panic of 1837, hit the United States. Well, she traveled with her manager, and when the panic occurred, there was little interest in Chinese goods, and there was also less money for people to pay to see her. And the manager just dropped her, and she had nowhere to go because she had no family, obviously, and even the ship captain who brought her or the wife of the manager, no one came forward. So she was compelled to go to a poorhouse in New Jersey. And she was there for eight years. Wow. But the thing that really struck me and in a sense heartened me was that people in Monmouth, New Jersey found her. They found her in a, I imagine it was a putting out situation. So she was in a poorhouse and then probably was in... um, a home of someone who was paid a little bit by the poorhouse managers to house her. And they found her there and caused a real uproar. They went to the local paper, they talked to reporters, and they started a search to find out who had dropped her in Monmouth. And it was it became a national investigation with Hmm. the Monmouth paper as the headquarters commenting about who is at blame, who is at fault, and really responding to her as a guest who had been abused. And eventually, it was clear they found who it was. And that forced the manager, was the manager, to add money to the coffers in Monmouth, New Jersey, so that her life was a little bit easier, though she still was in the poorhouse for that entire eight years. But that's not the end of her story. So what happens after that point? 
Hannington knew P.T. Barnum because he had done work for him. And obviously, Hannington was ready to have her off his dole. And it was also when the Chinese junk, the King, came into New York City. It was a, a Chinese ship that was commissioned by an Englishman and brought, it was supposed to go to London, but veered off course and landed in New York City. But there people were seeing Chinese sailors and also Chinese objects. And P.T. Barnum, knowing that there was a Chinese woman who might be available to extend this interest, plucked her out of New Jersey and mm. brought her into his fold. I asked Nancy how Afong Moy's return to the stage reflected changing notions that Americans had of China and Chinese people. In the early period, in the 1830s, when she came, she was considered a very special and very exotic and in many ways respected because China was respected, because people did not know what China was really like, except through her. But come the Opium Wars... And maybe give us a one-sentence version of what the Opium Wars are. Yes, the Opium Wars occurred because the Americans and the British were bringing opium into China to sell to cover the costs of their products. So it was a product that was not appreciated in China. In fact, it was illegal mm. to bring opium into China. And so the Chinese rebelled and the British declared war on China. Uh, the British won and the Americans followed soon after with a similar treaty, forcing the Chinese to open additional trading sites. Mm. But it also allowed Americans and British to go inside China, which they had never done before, Americans could explore China and see that there was actually some weakness there. This made China seem less exotic and just less respected. And hmm. so when she comes back out in the 1840s, she's not treated the same way. Hmm. It is not with the same kind of reverence or respect. But now the Americans have seen the sort of the underbelly and in a couple of kind of biting ways, make fun of Afomoy. Now, she, according to your work, you, you note that she drops from the public record in the 1850s at some point. So what do we know about what happens to her? Well, that's the challenging part because I spent an enormous amount of time both on my own and working with genealogists to try to locate her. She just does not show up after about 1851, 1852. Barnum drops her because he brings another Chinese woman into his troop. And so there really wasn't a place for her. Mm. And I'm not sure whether she married and so her name might have changed, but there is no record of her in poorhouses in New York City or in New Jersey. There's just no record in Barnum's accounts. So we don't know what happened to her. Nancy Davis is the author of The Chinese Lady, 
Afong Moy in Early America. <laughs>